When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, the occult and witches. Uh, it can turn deadly. Uh, we have we have a number of cases where where young people get into this, and the next thing you know, they're out killing people. All of our modern cookbooks basically evolve out of these occult which is spell books. This has got to be part of a much wider conspiracy of people doing terrible things. And the next thing you know, you have, uh, you know, researchers, journalists who are taking every single weird murder case and looking, oh, they were part of this grand conspiracy. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest studies the occult, its history, its influence, and where it's going. This is occult historian, Dr. Brian Regal. What is the occult? Like what makes something of the occult versus not of the occult? Oh, uh, well, that's not an easy question to answer. Uh, the word occult simply means hidden. Uh, everybody thinks it has some sort of mystical, magical meaning to it, but it just simply means something that's not hidden or, or is hidden. If you consider religion an occult practice, then there's tons of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, most religions have sort of aspects to them, belief systems to them that we could call a cult. They, of course, would get very upset uh, if you say it's a cult, if I'm just, if, if I just say without any details, here's an organization that venerates a dead person who was killed and came back to life. And then we venerate all these other people who died, uh, and we can talk to them. And if you talk to them in just the right way, they will then go to the great deity and will bring your ideas to the great deity. Uh, and everybody, you know, was, oh yeah, okay, that sounds like the occult. And then I say, well, that's Christianity. Oh no, that's not the occult. You know, uh, so it, it all depends upon kind of our uh, our position here. Now, in the Americas, in North America, you don't really get the embracing of this thing we vaguely call the occult in a way that happens in other places. The thing, the, the sort of occult practice that catches on first in what is then known as British North America uh, is astrology. Uh, astrology comes over with those early uh, settlers, early immigrants. One of the things that it gets involved in back in Europe is medical astrology. You go to a doctor 
the first thing they ask you is, what's your birthday? And then they cast your horoscope. And by casting your horoscope, this is a little convoluted, so you got to stick with me. By casting your horoscope, they can figure out what's wrong with you and how to fix it. And the fixing didn't involve like blood transfusions or anything like that. It involved figuring out the right crystal talisman to give you to wear because illness was seen as something that came from the spheres that is outside the earth. And these emanations came down and came down to the earth and got into you, got into me, gets into everybody. And if you get bad emanations, that's what makes you sick. So the medical astrologer would try to figure out, you know, what's your star sign, all that sort of thing. And you, you sort of do this sort of algorithm as it were, and you come up with, bing, okay, you should be carrying a, a piece of turquoise. And that would, theoretically at least, prevent the bad emanations from reaching you. So you could block the bad emanations through the use of astrology, and conversely, you could bring in the good emanations to make you healthy and keep you healthy. Uh, and so that sort of thing continues to this day. I mean, crystal healing is still a thing. What would you say kind of so, okay, so we have astrology. What would you say is kind of the next big occult practice or idea or whatever you want to call it that kind of comes into society? I would argue that that's spiritualism. Uh, spiritualism hits here in the U.S., the U.S. by now, uh, in the 1840s. In Hydesville, New York, we can actually find a spot. This is where it begins. And with the Fox family, the Fox sisters. There's three Fox sisters, and they live in this tiny little house, uh, uh, Hydesville, New York, upstate New York. Um, and the sisters live in a tiny little house with uh, like one main floor, really just a big room, and then like an attic space. And the sisters live in the attic space. And the dad starts getting upset because in the middle of the night, he starts hearing these sort of like knocking on wood sounds. And he climbs up the ladder and he looks and they're asleep. So he goes back down next night, knocking wood sounds, climbs back, what, what's going on? Nothing. So finally he confronts his, his daughters why are you making those banging sounds at night? You're keeping me and your mother up. We're not doing that. That's being done by Mr. Splitfoot. And so it turns out that they think they have contacted a spirit. Now, who might Mr. Splitfoot be? I have no idea. <laughs> the devil, the devil. Oh, the guy, the 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 cloven hooves, the cloven hooves. People start freaking out because you know these wacky Hyde sisters. They're talking to the devil because eventually, the, what what happens is they say, "Well, Mister Splitfoot talks to us by making rapping sounds, and we figured out how to make rapping sounds back to speak to him." And this spreads like wildfire local pastor comes over you know and the 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 fox house is haunted 
but they start getting followers and people start saying, wait a minute, if you can do this, can you teach me how to do it? I want to contact my dead relative. Uh, and so they start, so oh, yeah, okay, well, you just do this and you do that. And you, you work out a code system and uh, you can talk to your dead relatives. And it becomes hugely popular. Uh, and eventually, years later, the, the Fox sisters will admit they, they were just making the whole thing up. You know, they weren't actually talking to um, a, a spirit. But by then, it doesn't matter. The genie's out of the bottle. This becomes a huge thing. It's very popular uh, throughout America. And you even get practitioners, mediums, that tour. They actually go on like a rock and roll band touring. And so these these traveling uh, seance people, mediums, start making tons of money. Uh, there's an example, uh, a woman named uh, Cora Scott um, Cora Scott Hatch, very attractive, uh, very comely, and she starts doing this, and she is usually popular because you, you you take this ability to talk to spirits and stick it in a hot babe, and you know all bets are off. You have this spread of spiritualism, and one of the things that comes out of that is the Ouija board. Astrologists kind of astrology and spiritualism. They're sort of the high-end occult practices. But then you have a lot of these little people running around. Uh, individual people who never get famous. We never know who they are. Uh, but they're running around doing occult things. In particular, stuff like divination and dowsing. Dowsing is another very popular in, early, in colonial America, early America. Dowsing is this idea... That if you, if you as an individual, if you are attuned to the spirit world, you can take a stick, and if you hold it in just the right way, and you walk around, you can find water. You have witchcraft, which also is extremely difficult to define. You have witches. You don't have huge numbers of witches, like supposedly there were in Europe. Uh, we do have... The, the infamous witch trials, the witch craze of the 1700s going on up around Boston. Uh, but the issue there is, as far as we know, none of the people who were put on trial for witchcraft were actually witches. They weren't witches in the sense that, like, no, they weren't witches, or like they weren't even claiming to be witches. Right. They weren't even claiming. So any sort of folk medicine, folk practice was automatically labeled witchcraft. So if you, uh, again, remember that this is a time in American history where people don't live in cities. There are very few doctors around. There are no medical schools in the U.S. at this time. So if you wanted to really become a doctor and go to medical school, you had to go overseas. So most, you know, most doctors in North America were self-taught. Women mostly, because this this seems to have been mostly a women's profession, if you will. And they start writing this stuff down. And so they start creating what we call today spell books. Uh, back then they were called grimoire. You have to say with an outrageous French accent. And uh, this these books, they would write stuff down. And this is how you take care of this. Oh, and this is how you make a really delicious cake. And so you start to get these spell books that are part occult 
medicine, part astrology, part cookbook. Uh, all of our modern cookbooks basically evolve out of these uh, occult uh, witches' spell books. And we don't think of a cookbook today as a you know as some sort of sorcery, uh, but that's where it all comes from. And so it, it's it, it's in that way that occult practice spreads throughout uh, U.S. culture. But the witch trials in the 1790s in Boston are not really, I'm sorry, 1760s, are not really about witches. It's about stealing land. Because if you don't like your neighbor, right, and your neighbor has a nice piece of land and you want to buy it and your neighbor won't sell it to you, all you got to do is go to the authorities and say, my neighbor's a witch. I've seen him flying around on a broom. They get arrested, they get put in jail, they get put on trial. Uh, and even if they don't get executed by the state, by the time they come back, you have bought their land. So by making accusations, you get... It's, it's no different today uh, than accusing someone of being woke. It's not about the stuff. It's about labeling someone you don't like as a bad person. Uh, but luckily, the the witch craze here in America doesn't really reach the kind of homicidal, genocidal uh, uh, levels it does in Europe. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people are executed in Europe for being witches. And werewolves, too. Most people don't realize there were actually werewolf trials uh, in, in medieval and early modern Europe. Now, jump forward... Throughout most of the 19th century, occults, occult practices were done very privately, but into the 20th century, especially post-World War II, you start to get a kind of resurgence, uh, particularly in California. Uh, you have Anton LaVey, who is the guy who creates the, the, the Church of Satan, the modern Church of Satan, and... He's a great self-promoter, and he's in California, and this is the 1960s, and he had the love movement, and people are running around. They want to, they want to experiment with new things. Uh, drug use is on the rise. And so he starts this thing that becomes very popular because people think, oh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, this is a way I can show rebellion. I'll be a Satan worshiper. Uh, the problem is Anton LaVey and his people, they don't really think Satan is real. To them, Satan or the devil, whatever you want to call it, is a metaphor for rebellion against conformity uh, as a way of expanding your consciousness. But people who don't understand that, they think they're really actually worshipping Satan. You know, yeah. Worshipping the devil. What What most people today most people, what they think is the occult isn't really. They've gained most of, most of our modern understanding or thought to be understanding of occult practices of witchcraft, devil worship, is all from the movies. Yeah, that's what kind of the impression that I got, right? Was a lot of this stuff is more a creation of the media than what is actually being practiced. Right, of course. What what would you say that occultism kind of in practice, like what does that look like today? 
Well, it doesn't really look like most people think it does. They're not they're not sacrificing virgins on an altar, you know, in some hidden dungeon. Uh, the vast majority of occult practitioners today, you wouldn't even recognize them because they're they look like everybody else. Uh, there's a lot of spirit belief that you can achieve a kind of oneness with the universe by by chanting certain prayers. And again, the 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 uh, the crystal healing thing is a is a major holdover from those early days, and so that's why if you go into you know a witch store, what are they selling mostly in the in the window? Crystals, because it's still believed that the the crystal could be something to um, sort of focus energy, pull in the good emanations, uh, chase the bad emanations away. Today's modern occult practitioners uh, don't really fit the stereotype, the movie TV stereotype. And anybody who does is faking. Yeah, they're they're putting on an act, right? Like it's it's more for the attention aspect of it. Right. That's why you get these groups, you know, they're usually teenagers who started, you know, oh, we're going to become Satan worshippers, and we found an old house somewhere in the woods, and we're going to go in there, we're going to paint pentagrams on the wall and do all this stuff. And it's about self-empowerment. The people who often do that fake sort of Satanist witchcraft stuff, they're people who feel they have no power in the world. How do I get it if I, be, if I worship Satan? I can get power. If I become a witch, I can get power. Uh, real, real witches don't do that, you know, because that's not what they're about. Uh, and the problem with that is, unfortunately, like we can sit here and sort of uh, laugh at it a little bit. Oh, Satan worshiper, you know, tell Satan I said hi next time you're talking to him. Uh, it can turn deadly. Uh, we have we have a number of cases where where young people get into this and the next thing you know they're out killing people because well satan wanted me to do this uh if you remember some years ago there was the the infamous son of sam yeah yeah new york uh, right. and they caught the catch the guy and you know, oh i was talking to a dog and you know i'm an, i'm a satanist i'm doing all this stuff it turns out you know people looked at this and they said oh my god this is just the tip of the iceberg there are these satanic groups uh, we even call it the satanic panic. It happens here in America and it happens in England as well. Uh, this has got to be part of a much wider conspiracy of people doing terrible things. And the next thing you know, you have uh, you know, researchers, journalists who are taking every single weird murder case and looking, oh, they were part of this grand conspiracy. You know, Charles Manson's part of this thing. And you know, every every weird disturbing murder they could find they somehow hook it up to this why do you think though that some things right okay even if it kind of sounds like a very similar thing between the occult and religion why do some things get classified as the occult and some things get classified as religion because we do religion you do the occult it's that simple right it's not who's doing it it's not what they're doing it's who's doing it if we do it, it's okay. If they do it, it's wrong. Is there any kind of fundamental difference? So you would say, okay, these two things seem the same on the surface, 
but underneath there's there is something that people just feel differently about you know i i'm a historian i'm not a psychologist so i i don't really have the 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 training or the skills to really explain that but take any religion take the names off of it and just say here's the fundamental structure of what this religion does and compare it to you know compare them you can't tell the difference between uh you know even a mainstream religion and 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 the occult practice witchcraft practice it's all fundamentally the same the practitioners are trying to gain some connection to the divine one of the things you notice about religions in general whether it's the western abrahamic religions you know judaism christianity or or islam or or uh, uh, eastern religions like buddhism or hinduism or shintoism or jainism it's all about knowing that we humans are until we meet real space aliens and we haven't yet sorry i had to break that to you but <laughs> There's no evidence space aliens have ever come here. That doesn't mean they're not out there. They just haven't come here. And until we find out that there are really space aliens, we're it. And we are, we humans, we are the worst creatures in the universe. And when we're not doing horrible things, we're trying to figure out how to clean ourselves up so that we can contact the divine. That's what most religions are about. That's what witchcraft is about. Uh, and, you know, we, we want to somehow shed this horrible, awful, mortal life, life of ours and find something better in the spirit world, in heaven, in nirvana, uh, you know, wherever, wherever you think the, the, the place to be is. That's what we're trying to do. And they all basically take the same approach. Clean yourself up, get right with the spirit world, and you get to go to heaven or whatever. There is, I think it would be really difficult to explain to somebody what, like, what's the difference between a spell and a prayer. Right. I guess is it more based on, right, like I always kind of go back to the metaphor of high school, right? Like the cool kids in high school are religious and the weird kids are a cult. There you go. Is it that simple? I, I think it is. You know, it's that stupidly, idiotically simple. If... One is the lowest and 10 is the highest. What do you think is like the influence of the occult on American society? Like where would you put it on that scale? I'd say five or six. Is there any evidence though that following the occult path takes people to a place that following the religious path does not? I don't think so. I would say mainstream religions, at least like I was raised in a mainstream religion, but there's a hope there. Is there the same kind of hope in occult practices? Yeah, I think there is. That's why they do it. It really isn't any different then. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's probably a lot of very devout religions listening to this right now screaming at me <laughs> on, on, uh, on, on their computer. Uh, but I, I study this stuff for a living. And I teach this stuff for a living. And again, I would love to be able to say, look, don't worry. When, no matter what happens in this life, 
when you die, if you've been a good person, you'll get to go to this nice place. Or you'll see these people that in your life that you loved, that you've lost, you'll be able to see them again. I have no evidence that that happens. I wish it did. I I, I would be so happy <laughs> if when I die, I, I open my eyes and there's all these people. I would love for that, for that to happen. The spiritual is called it Summerland. But that's where all the spirits were. And you could go to Summerland because it was always nice. The weather was always nice. Everybody was dressed in like bitchin' Victorian outfits, you know, and you could speak to Ben Franklin, or you could speak to George Washington, or you could speak to Siddhartha, or you could meet Jesus, and you, you'd have these sort of endless garden parties, where you could sit, the weather was always wonderful, and everybody's in great outfits. Uh, it would be great that that was a real thing. Uh, I just don't think it. I just don't think there is. I hope that's what I would hope, right? Like if something happens and whatever it is, it's like I just hope whoever's like, you want to go again? Like, yeah, I'll go again. Let's try. This. Well, you know, uh, Hindus and Buddhists believe in reincarnation. Yeah, because they believe that you are so awful, you are so you're such a filthy human being <laughs> that you can't clean yourself up in just one lifetime. Why do we all so you need multiple lifetimes. The the Western Abrahamic religion, Judaism, Christianity, uh, Islam, their thinking is very linear. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that's it. If you can find, you get one shot at finding salvation. If you don't get it, you're done. But many polytheistic religions, like Hinduism or Buddhism, they recognize that human beings are awful, and you can't achieve this thing in one lifetime and so you get a bunch of goes at it what what's the reason though that we always have to be awful like are there any occult practices like you know what maybe we're not that bad well that's a you know that's a great philosophical issue uh i can use the example in 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 the western experience we have this thing that we call the enlightenment this period Sort of like the middle of the 1600s through about, you know, 1800 or so. And you get all these famous philosophers. All those guys, they make you read in, you know, in, in intro to philosophy in college. Uh, and you have these two guys. You have John Locke and you have Thomas Hobbes. And they're often held up as kind of the poster children for this question. Locke said, human beings are born basically good. And if people are left to them, their own devices, they will behave well. Hobbes said, no. People are basically awful. And they will stab you, shoot you, rob you. They will kill their mothers for 50 cents. And so Locke said, well, we should have less government because people are adult enough to live their lives in a decent way. And Hobbes said, no, we have to have a Leviathan, a huge government that forces you to be good with the threat of punishment, whether it's, uh, you know, Baal or Santa Lucia, and they will, they will sort of fix me. 
you know, they'll take my my problems to a sort of a higher authority, and then everything will get. I don't see a difference between that. the The idea is the same. The end game is the same. Why do you think then some people have such a harsh reaction to it? Right, like you're doing what? You know, they get you right. Like, why do you think that there is such a reaction, even though these two concepts may be pretty similar? Because what I do is okay. What you do is wrong. Kind of looking back at some of the more like, I guess, historical or societal or whatever kind of definitions you want to give on that one. Like, are there some occult ideas that have kind of crept into the mainstream? Like you would say like, oh, that's kind of an occult idea that is now more in the mainstream society. Well, astrology is an easy example of that. Spirit mediums are still everywhere. You know, you can go to you can go to a spirit medium and they'll they'll cast your horoscope and has it has it crept into like government at all? Well, Ronald Reagan had a personal astrologer. Yeah, that's pretty high up there, right? When you got the president of the United States. You can't get much higher than President of the United States. Uh and so if the president can can believe in this, I, I'm willing to bet I don't have any evidence. I can't say a name only because I don't know. Uh, but I would not be surprised if we find out that there's there's a number of current um, elected officials in our government who believe this stuff is real. Um, do you have some time for some listener-submitted questions? Sure. Most unique occult concept. Like, oh, that's an occult practice that is pretty different from anything else. I can't think of anything that's like really, you know, this – the mainstream of Wicca, let's say, they do this, and then you have this little offshoot that does something very different. I can't think of anything like that. Is there anything even kind of close to it? We're like, oh, that's a little different. Yeah, and and like I said before, most most practices that, that the average person thinks, oh, that's a witchcraft thing or that's a Satan thing or whatever, uh, aren't really a thing. Because it comes out of they're, they're they're all ideas invented for movies and TV. That leads us into the next question: like movie with the best descript the best movie or TV show with the best depiction of the occult, movie or TV show with the worst depiction. You, I, I might fall back on an old faithful and and, and mention The Exorcist, but um, that's not. I'm not sure if that's really an occult movie, as it were. Um, because the Catholic Church believes that people can get um, taken over by evil spirits. Uh, but I don't think there's really, maybe the viewers would know this better, I don't think there's really a movie or a TV show that that a practicing witch would look at and say, wow, that's really like what I do. And I think that's because the reality is most witchcraft is kind of boring. This one just, I don't know if this is a thing. Like, it just says, what's up with the dollar bill? <laughs> you hate this question, right? You hate this question so much. Oh, I, I you know, I, it makes me crazy. The minute I hear the name Freemason or Illuminati, I just want to kill the person who's asking me the question. Uh, oh man, the founding fathers, man, they were all Masons, man, they were in the Illuminati, man, the Illuminati controls the world. <sighs> the reason why, this is a pet peeve for me, the reason why 
Ben Franklin and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and all those guys, all the guys we call the founding fathers. The reason they were Freemasons is because when modern masonry is put together, because people are always trying to connect this somehow to ancient Egypt, uh, but modern masonry begins as a way, a reaction against monarchy and against government repression. Because remember, until the U.S. is created, every country in the world is some kind of monarchy. And the people who start Freemasonry or the Illuminati, and the reason why they start as secret societies is because if, let's say, if you're in uh, early modern France and you have a monarchy that is using the police, using the military to crack down on anybody who gets even a whiff of anti-monarchy, uh, they send the troops in. So you're not going to want to discuss this stuff out in the open. You want to discuss it with like-minded people who you know won't rat you out to the authorities. And so both the Masons and the Illuminati start as these kind of pro-democracy, pro-freedom organizations that we, will, we have to keep it secret, but while it's secret, we're going to work to try to put together political structures that will help us get rid of the monarchy and and bring in freedom and democracy and all those things we like that's why the that that's why the the founding fathers are all into this because what's the revolution american revolution is all about is about kicking out the the british uh empire kicking out the monarchy and so you you wouldn't say that out loud in the open because you would never know who's listening and so they create these things as um as secret societies and the dollar bill <sighs> the, do the dollar bill we know and love today uh is is, is a modern institution uh it's basically a 20th century invention and so you have all these people running around who want to tell you about oh man there's all this stuff it's secret coded stuff in the dollar bill man uh, you know, if you f if you fold a dollar bill up just the right way, you, you know, it shows Solomon's temple and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it, it makes you crazy because it's all nonsense. That's exactly what the Illuminati wants you to think, though, isn't it? <laughs> you cracked it, dude. <laughs> Can't fool me. I'm no sheeple. It's kind of the last question we got, but basically, like, where do you think that the occult goes from here? Does it fundamentally change? Does it, like, start incorporating robots and AI? Or is it same same thing? I don't know. There's there's a – in my, my late partner, she was also a historian. Uh, she, her area of, of – especially was the history of robotics. And within the world of robotics – there's this concept of the singularity and the singularity is the idea that technology will, the way technology is progressing, it will get to a point in the not that distant future where we can take it, depending upon who you, who you talked about this, take your brain and stick it in a robot and so 
you, the, you know, who you are as an individual, as a person, will be in this machine. And so the machine will last. And if the machine breaks down, you can change parts and things. Uh, but humans and machines will essentially kind of merge together. Uh, and there, there are some roboticists who think this is a real thing or can be a real thing. There are some who say, no, that's crazy. You know, you, you're never going to really be able to do that. Um, but uh, that might that might be the the next phase of it. Is the practice of the occult, would you say that is more popular now than it has been in years past? Going up, going down, staying the same? It's probably staying the same. You know, it's it sort of has a a level. Sometimes it goes up a little bit. Sometimes it goes down a little bit. And I, I like, oh, go ahead. oh no, I was just going to say, you know, I know I'm not an occult practitioner. I'm not a witch. I'm not a sorcerer of any kind. Uh, but I've known and still know some people who actively engage in this in this behavior. And of all the people I know, they're the nicest. At what time period would you say that the occult was biggest in like countries where it is the biggest? Since the fall of communism, for example, I, I, I think sort of occult ideas are, are seeing a little bit of a resurgence in, in Russia and some of the Slavic countries. Uh, in Africa, there has, there, there's been this kind of surge throughout the 20th century and unfortunately has, has taken on some really awful aspects. Uh, several years ago, there were a series of murders in Africa of albino people because the idea spread that albino people are somehow, you know, wizards and sorcerers. And so these poor people are, you know, being chased around, hacked to death because of some idiotic belief system uh, that isn't, you know, mean, that doesn't mean anything. And so there are places like that around. Uh, I, I think probably that kind of stuff currently sees most of its popularity in Africa. And it, you know, it's like the teenagers getting into Satanism. They have no power. They've been, you know, spit on their whole lives. Here's a way I can gain some little bit of power for myself. And I think that's a similar thing going on uh, in places in Africa, not everywhere, uh, but there are these kind of pockets uh, where people have, uh, come to believe these these things that, you know, okay, if you believe in Bigfoot, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I wrote a book about Bigfoot. There's no Bigfoot. But if you believe in Bigfoot, so what? You know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but there are some of these practices, some of these occult practices that that lead to violence, lead to homicide uh, in no greater numbers, <clears throat> no greater numbers than Christianity does or Islam does, or or Hinduism does, uh, but we tend to focus on, uh, you know, the, when the when the guy walks into a, a Burger King and shoots everybody with a machine gun and says, "Jesus told me to do this," that's horrible and it's awful. But if somebody walked in and did the same thing and said, "The devil made me do this," I'm a Satan worshiper. That's going to get all the headlines. Um, is there anything that we kind of think that we missed, or what's kind of Coming up next for you, if people want to learn more. More. Well, you, you can go to my my webpage, 
Uh, just Google my name. You'll get my Kane University webpage. You can see the classes I teach. Uh, you can see the books I've written, the, 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 the book uh, that I just had come out. Um, is about myths and legends about who, you know, really discovered America. And there's a lot of wacky occult stuff in there. And, uh, you know, I've written books on Bigfoot and on the Jersey Devil and uh, an encyclopedia of pseudoscience, which has got a lot of occult stuff in it. And um, you can read my i've done over the years i've done a bunch of op-ed pieces on on various different topics and articles that you can download for free there's an article in there that i wrote a few years ago about werewolves uh which caused the the werewolf community of brooklyn to threaten me (laughs) you gotta watch it like even if it's it's... that gives you a little inside view of my life (laughs) wait who what's the occult thing about who discovered america uh, there are people who believe that <sighs> that witches came to America before Columbus, that ancient Greek uh, cult practitioners found their way here uh, all before Columbus. This is, these are all stories about people who came to America before Columbus. Uh, and <clears throat> Carthaginians who came to Oklahoma... You know, and that there's that there's evidence there, and um, that Vikings came here. Not the Vikings that we know came here, because there there, there yeah. were Vikings who did come here uh, up in Nova Scotia. Uh, but there are sort of the other Viking uh, belief system about you know Leif Erikson and his homicidal sister Freydis, who goes around hacking people up with an axe. Uh, and you know, so there's there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, Columbus even said. He saw uh, manatees that that talked. Uh, Leif Erikson said he's there are these creatures out of uh, out of European tradition called the Scipodii. <clears throat> these are people with one giant foot instead of two little feet. Yeah, one huge, yeah. and they hop around. On one and Leif Erikson, according to the Vinland sagas, he saw one of these things hopping around. Uh, you know, New England somewhere, and so uh, you know, it's it's my the focus of my work is on the relationship between amateur speculators and professional scholars, uh, and so there's tons of that in the discovery American discovery myths. I want to thank Dr. Regal so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included his information in the episode description. The YouTube version of this interview will be live on October 12th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. So if you had your wish, like what do you hope happens after you die? Oh, I mean, what I, what I want to have happen is everything that I didn't have in reality, I would want in the afterlife. That's it. That's it. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, but I'd have to see what's happening. Like if I died, right? Like I wouldn't want to make that determination until I found out what the afterlife was going to be like. It is, you know, it is scary to think about, though. However, like, what if you do pass on? 
and and it's just your soul like that's it like you're not even you you're just like this floating ball of you like it's kind of it is kind of interesting to think about what really happens when you do pass on what if you're just stuck in the coffin forever that'd be terrible oh, man god like, get, dude that'd be the worst yeah i mean i, I obviously eventually you well, I guess if you're already dead, then you're just no. That sounds terrible. That's that'd be the worst thing, right? That would be the worst thing, just to be there forever. Yeah, I, I forever for whatever reason, I just immediately started just wanting to eat fruit now, and go work out tonight. So thank you. Yeah, you got to delay that as long as possible, right? But but I'm also you know I I I, I try to be a realist, and there probably isn't anything when you pass on right there's probably not a whole lot um but like what does happen that's it is a it's a, an incredible question but i i just i i fail to see the light so to speak i don't know if there is something beyond just death <laughs> the only thing that i would really want besides like the ability to see my friends and family again i would like like a review of my life like oh if you would have made this decision here you could have done this. Or if you would have made this decision here, you would have been here. Like a post-mortem of my own life where we just go over like all of the different things that could have happened to me. I mean, it's, I guess it, it all goes into the, do you believe in, is fate real? Is there a predetermined order of your life before you even get out of the vagina? I think so in the sense that you're much of your life is predetermined by your genetics and where you are born. I think that there's fate in that sense. You're really kind of not changing that, right? Like you and I are never going to be pro basketball players. Yeah, man, it's, I mean, listen, we don't, we don't usually go down this path very often with, you know, life and things, but uh, it is interesting to think. I, I, I don't know if you have everything when you're born. I, I, I feel the same way you do that. I think you're born into it. But I don't think you're born with an already predetermined, uh, you know, uh, disposition, I guess. I kind of think that you are. I kind of think that you're born in a general direction and that maybe you can make some choices that can change that. But I don't think that people, for the most part, are really super responsible for either their success or their failure that you are always kind of going to be in that one place and maybe a twist of fate or a twist of luck got you here or got you there. But for the most part, I think that you, most of the formative decisions of your life are pretty much all decided by your genetics at birth and your environment at home. Well, I mean, like, like us meeting. If I never took the job, if you never took the job, what if we had just stayed in our hometowns? There would have never been Nick and John. Can you imagine that? The world would have been left without our uh, us as a team. There would be at least five people who would be disappointed by that. <laughs> Everyone who voted for the Signal Awards. There had to have been at least five of them. We didn't get last. I know that we nope. didn't get last, which is a major achievement considering that we're up against like Kevin Hart and the lady from Seinfeld and somebody on Netflix and Jon Stewart. <laughs> like when I was when I saw that we didn't get last in voting, I was shocked. I actually think the last I checked, we were actually tied for second to last. We weren't even like second to last alone. Oh, so we could have been as high as third from the bottom. Yeah, technically we were because there was a, was a podcast below us, 
And then we were tied with another podcast uh, for, you know, whatever that position you want to call it. So if out of six, so we could have been third out of six. That's not that bad. Not that bad. Especially when, how how many votes were casted? Like 200,000? I don't think it was all in our category. I mean, if then we're going, we're going that we're going 200,000. Okay. All right. Well, then probably anybody who voted for us was probably thinking it was something else or they were just ironic voting, which we'll take. Yeah. I'll take that. Nice big deep sigh out. Yeah. You got to breathe. You know, I'm learning that as you get older. You got to breathe. How long, how long do you think you could hold your breath? Like if if I if I'm trying to like challenge myself, try it right now and I'll time it. Okay, I mean, well, I got I gotta get I gotta get a good breath in. So okay, go. Pinch your nose. No breathing out of your nose. Don't like hurt yourself. Like go until you kind of start to lose your breath. Because we don't have that much time. I've already forgotten. <laughs> 20 seconds. You held no. your breath. There's 20 seconds. You made me laugh. No, I mean, I, I, I've challenged myself before just randomly. I, I, I've done a minute. I think the most I've ever done is a minute 15 dry. So Wait a minute. How old were you? This is within, sometime within the pandemic. I don't remember exactly when, but. Were you around other people or were you just like one day I'm going to see how long I can hold my breath? This is such a good breath. story, man. I don't really want to tell where I was and why I did it. Why not? What were you doing? Because it's lame and it's not that great. It's actually kind of pathetic. Okay, well then go ahead and tell us. I was laying in bed and I was trying to fall asleep. And I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, man, I'll try. I don't know. People count sheep. Maybe I'll see, you know, maybe the less oxygen in my brain will cause me to go to sleep. I don't know. So You timed it, though? I did, yeah, yep. Did you fall asleep afterwards? Did it work? I mean, I'm guessing because I, yeah, I mean, I woke up the next morning. I do find it, you know, speaking of that, I do find it interesting that your body is so reactive and smart that it will not let you, you know, choke yourself out or or like not breathe. Like it will eventually, your body will force you to breathe. Yeah. I mean, if you, is that what happened to you? No, and I think I know where you might be going with this. And no, it was not asphyxiation erotica or whatever that is. That's not where I was going at all, but apparently no. you've been down that road before. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's a I've, return trip. First off, uh, I've actually had this conversation before. And I mean, you better get a big old knot and, and a very sturdy door frame to hold me up because I'm taking whatever down. And listen, I'm not making fun of people who have died that way. I, that's unfortunate, but I'm just saying as a joke to myself, that it better be a pretty sturdy something or I'm taking the whole wall down. Yeah, you're not going to do it on a clothes rack. It's got to be like an I-beam. <laughs> Fucking clothes rack. It's got to be, stru- oh, yeah. be structural. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I, did, I will say this. I did feel a little better about myself uh, just this past week, and we had a birthday party for my oldest daughter. She turned five, and we had like a, a huge bounce house. And I got in the bounce house, and I could actually bounce in it. So, you know, man, did you launch somebody? I did technically, yes, but I, I more or less threw them because I, I've, I've learned this. This was our first like big birthday party. We had like 30 kids at my house and um, 
once they once they get one parent in the bouncy house, that's mm. it. I, I became the bouncy house parent. So this one little kid, he kept like getting on me, just chucked him out of it. You threw a child out of the bounce house. I did. Don't come into my bounce house, kid. Don't. Do I don't. It. Yeah. My dad has been. My father has been known to throw children. He's thrown <laughs> multiple children, which is an odd thing. Not even including me, like other relatives. I've seen him throw them. Isn't he a doctor too? Yeah, I guess he knows they're going to be okay when they land. Right? That'd be all right. <laughs> all right, let's give some shout-outs here. Uh, we'll start with Dwayne Blau. What if you get there and he's just like, I just don't like your face? <laughs> I don't... It, that's the thing with, with, with God, though, right? He's supposed to be all-encompassing. You know, it doesn't matter your appearance just if you lived a good life or not. Yeah, but what if they're just like... I don't think so. <laughs> what if you're like that one poor bastard a day where they're like, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to say, nope, that guy has an ugly face. You're right. They, they, they got at a limit for that day and you can, you're just not quite good enough on that day. Like you might've made it in on Tuesday, but you're not making it in on Wednesday. <laughs> it's a BOGO two for one on Thursday. Right. Right. For right. people with ugly faces. Like you got to wait. You got to wait your turn. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Dwayne Blau, Ray Gertruru. Mahmoud Khalif, Jao Apollo, Jao Apollo, all right, uh, Carlo Mantuano, Pedro Serda, Calvin Shaw, Stella Gibbons, Stella, no, nothing, all right, got it, nothing from, nothing yep. from me, doesn't surprise me, uh, Seth Thorson, and Don Johnson, but not the Don Johnson, I don't think, oh, I bet he hates that. Also, not enough Calvins. I could do more with some Calvins in the world. I think there should be a few more Calvins around. Mm, I'm whatever. I, I, it's it's a is what we actually have a college here in Michigan, not too far from Metro Detroit, that's named Calvin College. So I I get plenty of Calvin. Okay, but there are people who go name Calvin. Do you know a lot of people named Calvin that go to Calvin? Uh, I know two Calvins actually. Hmm. I don't know any personally. Well, guess that's your problem. All right, so we're gonna try something a little different here. Uh, okay. I haven't actually. I didn't actually come up with a name for this segment because I, I I didn't. I don't. I don't know. But we're gonna try it out. Okay. So, uh, and I'm not really sure what you're gonna think of this. So if you hate it, we'll stop. But uh, so I wrote down on my iPhone here like five or six things that I want to know as an adult. One, if you can do them, and two, if you should know how to do them as an adult. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds promising so far. Yeah, we'll we'll see here. All right. So I already know what you're going to say to this. But remember, it's not about you. It's about other adults. So first one here. Uh, and once again, I want to know if you, if you can do it, and then if adults should be able to. So first one here, pair wine to a meal. Oh, I don't think that most people should be able to do that. I think that you should have a basic knowledge as of what is red, what is white, what is whatever. But I don't necessarily think that you should have an in-depth knowledge of what goes with what. I'm perfectly okay with somebody not knowing that. Can you do it? No. I don't like the taste of wine. Every time I've ever had wine, it's been disgusting to me. Truly disgusting to me. I can't stand the taste of it. Not like I don't like it. Like, no, I don't want any of that. Okay, all right. Sober October. You're in full swing, I guess. Stupid. Name. Oh, did you uh, wait? Right. Did you wait for a laugh and you didn't get it? Is that what happened? 
Well, I was waiting for you to either shit on it or say, like, uh, that's a good joke. But you didn't do either, so. <laughs> I just uh, left, you, left you completely yeah. hanging, and you had no, nowhere to do, nothing to do. Yeah. Okay. Listen, if you're doing uh, Sober October, good on you. Uh, I am not. All right, uh, second one here. Uh, be able to change a tire. Yeah, if you're a guy, you should probably be able to change a tire. It's one of those things that's really actually not very difficult, but you need to be able to change a tire. I would almost argue, like, men, definitely, you should be able to kind of step in that, at least for your reputation. But I think everybody should be able to change a tire. It's something you kind of need to know how to do. Okay. Can you do it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I actually believe that. Uh and I probably wouldn't have believed it six years ago. No, uh, I, have, right. I have no mechanical ability or any kind of DIY ability, but I can change a tire. All right. The third one here. Uh, tie a tie. Yeah, I can do that. But I worked in a career where you had to wear a tie for some part of the day pretty much every day. I don't think that that's essential anymore. So you don't think adults nowadays should know how to tie a tie? I think that that's something that you should know how to just in case. You don't want to be a 45-year-old man coming up and being like, hey, can you help me tie this tie? Like, you need to be able to do that. All right, number four, uh, brew coffee. No, I don't even know what that is. What is brew coffee? What does that mean? Like, make your own coffee or just, like, put it in and start it? Do you know how to operate a coffee machine? I don't. I don't like coffee to me is like wine. I can't stand the taste of it. So I I don't know how to operate a coffee machine at all. If somebody asks me, hey, can you make the coffee? Like, I can't actually. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I I I I don't know what to say to that other than there's another person in my life that we that I asked to make coffee and they also didn't know how to do it. So it doesn't surprise me. But do they drink coffee? Yes. Not then, regularly, but yes. Okay, how often do they drink coffee? If we're, Probably once, once a week. I mean, enough you, to know how to operate it. Yeah, if you drink coffee once a week or even once a month, you should know how to make a coffee. Okay. All right. It's not that hard, right? Like, you take the thing out, and you put the thing in, and you press start. Like, this isn't rocket science. I mean, it sounds like you already know how to do it, so there you go. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult. Like, if somebody asked me, hey, we really need you to make the coffee, I'm going to perform surgery on this dying person. Can you make coffee? Like, I'll <laughs> figure it out. I, I, I think you could. All right, uh, let's see here. Swim. Yeah, you need to be able to know how to swim. I think that everybody needs to be able to know how to swim. I know there's some people, I've met a couple adults who didn't know how to swim, but you should be able to do it. And even as an adult, like, I don't understand that concept of that. Like, you're an adult. You couldn't learn how to swim in five minutes? Like, move your arms like this. <laughs> That's the thing. Is is, the... As an adult, haven't you moved your arms in any, every possible way by the time that you are an adult? Like, what movement of your arms would be so unusual to you as an adult that you wouldn't be able to figure it out? Like, move them in a circle. Like, oh, I've never done that. I've only gone forwards and out. Like, you should be able Listen, to teach an adult to swim in five minutes. This warms my heart because I don't know why, but this segment I think is going well. So thank you for that. I'm upset about the fact that you need to know how to swim. I've always had a huge fear about people around water. I don't like people around water who don't know how to swim. You got to know what you're doing. You don't get a second chance with water. So, you, sh you don't. So uh, sub-question, just because I'm curious. 
Uh, at what point do you feel uncomfortable when you're swimming? Is it uh, like, um, can, would you feel comfortable jumping off a boat in the middle of a lake? Uh, is it in the ocean or are you comfortable wherever you're swimming? Like totally comfortable in my ability to swim. Yeah, like if you were to, I don't know, if like I said, if you were to jump in the middle of a, of a lake, do you feel confident that you could tread water and swim to, say, a, a boat or something? Depends. If the water's not really cold, yeah. That's the other thing. For people who don't know, you don't fuck around with cold water. Because every you ever get in like a cold shower or something like that, your body like will immediately take a breath. Like, <gasps> you know when something's really cold, you get that water on you? Sure. Well, if you jump yeah. into cold water, you do that, and then your lungs fill up with water, and then you die. <laughs> don't fuck okay. around with, don't mess with water, man. All right, well, let's, I'm going to end it here on something that's a little lighter, I think. Uh, parallel parking. You should be able to do that. You, I live in a big city. I live in Seattle, I should say. It, well, Seattle is kind of a big city. You need to be able to parallel park. I probably do it three times a month. I think that okay. you should be able to... I think that you should be able to do it. I don't think that you necessarily have to be good at it, but you need to understand the concept of it. Is it, is it more stressful to parallel park? Or navigate a grocery store parking lot to park. Oh well, mmm. I would almost rather parallel park on a street than have to like kind of squeeze in in an underground parking garage. I don't like parking in parking garages because that they've made that like that's a pretty close fit now. Yeah, I mean, a decade ago it was close enough. And then if you're a bigger person, you're you're for sure dinging the car next to you. Well, cars are getting bigger, bro. It's not even fair. Not even fair. I I, I think you should be able to parallel park. However, I feel like EVs, and well, not necessarily EVs, but these cars that have these uh, systems that do it for you are going to take that away from the next generation. Do you think that in the next 50 years we're going to be complete idiots? Because computers will do everything for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person. I mean, there are some things, I don't remember the last time I had to do real math. Like, I just bust out my phone, and I just, oh, what's 20% on this tip, right? Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think about it. I don't think it's a problem if people can't do math, but I think that you'd have to learn how to think. That would be the thing that worries me, right? Is like, you st- we're going to start to lo- forget how to think. Like, oh, how do you figure I mean, that out? And nobody's used to it if the computer can't answer the question for you. You could argue that the generation below us, or generations, already don't know how to think. All they do is communicate with their text messages. I'm okay with that. That's just a different way of communication, right? Like, we didn't write letters. Do you write letters? It's not like Grandma and Grandpa over here complaining, like, these kids today don't, don't write letters to each other about everything. No, because I can call you. Maybe I do like to write letters. That's fine. But don't judge the new generation because they're not writing letters anymore. Adapt to the technology. It's not what I was saying. It doesn't take anything. It doesn't even matter. Back in my day, we didn't even have air to breathe. Had to hold your breath for 40 years. Can we move on before I zap you into a toad or something? Only if you acknowledge the fact that I just had a good joke. About back in my day, we didn't even have air. Had to hold your breath for 40 years. I thought that was pretty good. It was fine. It was better than fine. 
It's like a six at least out of seven. It was good there. It was it was good. It was a fine good. Um, are you ready for our top five? Yes. All right. So our top five is top five fictional witches. It's your number five. Fictional? I, I, are there any actual witches? Yeah, there have been people throughout history who have claimed to be witches. Whether or not they are, okay. right? It's All in right. the eye sure. of the beholder. But these are fic- purely fictional witches. All right. My number five, I'm going to go with Ursula from The Little Mermaid. I thought about that, but I just don't think of her as a witch. Have you ever seen the movie? I have, but that's not my first thought of her as a witch. I just thought she was like an evil person. Who, uh, who, who in the in the live uh, the live action movie? Who just played her? Christy McCarthy. What's her name? Um, uh, anyways, she did a fantastic job, and I feel like Ursula is a, a known witch. Like so, okay, a known character. So that is why Melissa McCarthy. That's her name, by the way. Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I was like, who the hell is that? That makes a lot more sense than now. It's Melissa McCarthy. My number five is Melisandre from Game of Thrones. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, once again, I I don't, as you kind of said about Ursula, I don't think people, it's not that I don't think people don't know she's a witch. I just don't think that she is known outside of that community. Outside of Game of Thrones? Everybody knows about the Red Priestess. I think if you showed a lot of people a picture of her, they'd be like, they might not know the name because Melisandre is not a name that's easily remembered. But they would be like, oh, I know who that person is. She was a big character in there, a good character. A lot of potential left on the table. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, not sure. Not sure about that one. Okay. Uh, all right, my number four, it's a Homer pick uh, just because this is the only movie – that uh, I remember having a nightmare because the first time I watched it, it literally scared the shit out of me. Uh, and that is the Blair Witch. But is that a person? Is that a real? Was the I'd never seen that movie. Was the witch supposed to be we- real? I Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. I don't know. Watch Blair Witch 2. There's an actual witch in that one, so I presume it was a real witch. Or a fake real witch. But did they show the witch in the Blair Witch? And then they're like, and that's the witch there. No, because that that's the whole aura is that she was such an entity that you didn't have to see her. Oh, so your number that's the concept of the Blair Witch. Even though the is the Blair Witch ever actually shown in any movie? I've never seen him. Like you can see on screen, like, oh, there's the Blair Witch. Not in the first one, no, but that's what makes it so fucking creepy is all this stuff's happening. And you don't know where this little scraggly old lady is. Yeah, that's too scary for me, man. I don't like those kind of things. Well, I had to put it on. I had to put it on. I had to put it on. My number four is Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. Basically the exact opposite of your Blair Witch with her meanness. It's a nice witch. Good witch. I don't don't even know what this is. Kiki's Delivery Service? Kiki's Delivery Service. Probably one of the greatest movies of all time. It's up there. It's one of the best animated movies of all time. Why would you know about it? Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea what you're referring to. It's a great movie. You should watch it. It's actually great with children, too. It's a happy story about coming of age and learning about who you are as a person and becoming okay with your own talents and your abilities. Okay, are you done? Yeah. Uh, my number three, Hermione Granger from Harry Potter. Okay, okay. I have Hermione as my number two. Hermione Granger is my number two, but I could see her at number three. That would be okay. okay. 
She's definitely in the top three, I think, because she's the main witch out of all the witches in the Harry Potter series. I I thought there was a for sure like lockup number one and two, so I'm curious to know where you go with one. Uh, my number two. Oh, do I get to say what my number three is, or do you just? Oh yeah, number three. Me? Sorry, yeah, yeah, number three. My number three is a tie between like all the witch trios: Hocus Pocus, Charmed, whatever any of those other kind of trio of witch shows are. That's that's about where I'm gonna go ahead and put them. Although I would put the Hocus Pocus witches above the Charmed witches. Well, those are my number two, the the Sanderson sisters. That's who they Hocus are. Hocus Pocus. Which yeah. one is your number one though, out of the Sanderson sisters? Uh, I mean, I think you have to go with Bette Midler's character. You have to go with Bette Midler's character. She is the best but, witch mean, out of the three of them. I actually don't even remember the actress that plays the uh, the really crazy one at this moment. Which one's the really crazy one? The one that I know is like Bette Miller would be the number one witch out of that. And then the lady from Sex and the City would be the second one. And then there's the third one that you can't remember who it is. No, that's um, uh, let's see. So it's Winifred, Sarah and Mary. Yeah, but who are the actors playing them? Because that means nothing to me. Jesus. I was hoping that that bought me a little bit of time here. Oh, you were trying to like uh, stall? I was trying to, but you know. I, I should have known better. Uh, let's see. So, Bette Midler plays Winifred. Okay. Okay. Sarah Jessica Parker plays Sarah. That's the kind of the crazy one I was talking about. And then Kathy Najimy plays Mary. She's kind of the, kind of the, the the bigger set one, but uh, but yeah. So if you're trying to visualize them, because we apparently don't know what we're talking about. No, but I would say that Bette Midler steals the show. She's the biggest witch of them. Then it's probably Sarah Jessica Parker and then the other lady. Do you know, probably don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyways, Bette Midler is 77 years old? I would have thought that she was older than that, to be honest. She's one of those people that's been old the entire time I've ever known who she was. (laughs) I don't know about that, but okay. Um, I can't think of a young Bette There's some people that, like, they've always been old. Even though they were probably like in their 30s when you first heard of them, but they've always been old. That's a good top five list for another day, I think. Alan Alda. Leslie Nielsen. Just always been old. No, he's dead. I think they're both dead, actually. Is he really? Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we, we have the same number one then, I presume. I'm going to assume so. Is it the Wicked Witch of the West? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard not to say she's... You know, she'd probably be number one on most people's top five list, I would think. I, yeah, I don't think that there's anybody that even comes close to the Wicked Witch of the West. No, I don't that think That has so to be either. number one. Though yeah. I do have Glenda the Good Witch on my honorable mention. Who was the one that got crushed by the house? What was she the witch of? Being I'm crushed sure. by a house? Being crushed yeah. by house. <laughs> The witch that get crushed by a house. Let's, uh, let's okay, see. Go in your honorable mention while I look it up. So I have Alexandra, Jane, and Suki from an underrated movie called Witches of Eastwick. Mm, never that's heard a, of it. That's a good one. Uh, the White Witch from Lion in the Wardrobe. Uh, let's see. Going on down the list. Nancy Downs from The Craft. You've never seen it because it's a scary movie. The Craft is one that I think that I have heard of, but I'm not entirely sure which one that one is. Was she the main one? Was she the friend that was kind of like 
the outcast yeah, and then she became yeah. okay yeah and uh how, who was the main who was the main character of that uh, of that movie um mm. alicia silverstone right was she no. uh no i lied to you uh who was it well nav campbell was in that movie too Feruza Bulk is the person I'm thinking of. I can't remember who else is in it. Did you, Anyways, okay. um, oh, is the witch of the the witch wicked witch of the east is the one that got crushed by a house? <laughs> well, she's not coming back. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Sandra Bullock from uh, Practical Magic. That's a nice little movie if you're looking for a date night with the wife. Uh, and then I have Willow, played by Allison Hannigan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. I don't have any of those people, anybody else really that was mentioned. I mean, you could go down the list with Harry Potter, which is, I think, but that's about it, right? Like, you could go with, I can't think of any of their names, right? But there's a lot of Harry Potter witches. But I don't think any of them get in the top five. McGonagall, maybe. Yeah, but, I mean, once again, I, like any movie franchise, right? You have the main five characters, and then it's like, do you, I mean, do you really know the others unless you're a huge supporter? Probably not. I don't think I generally ever know more than three to five characters in any movie. Well, you know, with the, all the kids' movies you watch, that's really all you need to know, probably. But even with Avengers, I can't. Like, I can only follow, like, two or three people. Like, okay, there's too many things going on here. I don't watch a lot of kids' movies. We watch YouTube mountain biking videos now. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is kind of. I enjoy it. Oh, okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. It really does help out the show. And I want to say a special thank you because we found out right after John and I recorded this that we actually won. We actually won the award for Best Interview Podcast. It's shocking. Like, take that, Kevin Hart, right? I can't, I could not believe it. I thought we had absolutely no chance of winning. So I want to thank, I really want to thank everybody who voted. Thank you for taking your time. We really appreciate it. It really does keep the show going. Let us know who you think are the best witches. I think you do have to put the Wicked Witch of the West on as number one. Like, she's the iconic witch. But any of the—I wonder if Hermione Granger would actually be number one if it wasn't, like, so spread out. Like, if she was the only witch in that series, if she would have been number one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.